I discovered that, you know, there were the haves and have nots. And I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. And um, at that time, the legislator here in Texas was thinking about, right, there was, you gave a dollar, everyone gave a dollar on their telephone bill for technology to start coming into the schools. And they were thinking of taking that away. And I was mortified because I knew there was too many public schools that still needed technology. And so I started the Texas Capitol Schoolhouse with the, um, you have to get a senator to back you and everything. And so that's another long story of the house. But the main reason was studies have shown that most people remember their fourth grade teacher. And when they think of experiences, they think about fourth grade. And so I didn't want the legislators to be thinking about what fourth grade was like for them. I needed them to pony up and get to the 21st century. So I decided we were going to build a school inside the schoolhouse, um, inside the state capitol with the governor and the legislators and so forth to see the power of technology in the classroom. It's Joanna. Welcome to JCB Art Studio. Ah, I have another great author with me today, and we're going to talk about her books. And she, she, I was just thinking about it earlier. She has picture books. She has YA books. And I actually thought of another question I wanted to ask her, which she doesn't know about yet, but it's, it's not hard. <laughs> okay. So um, I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm going to give you a heads up that sometimes I have a little trouble with my pronunciations, but I hope the author who's with me will correct me. So today I have Diane Floyd Bohm. And uh, good, good. I'm getting a nod. I, I did that right. Actually, it looks like Bohm. I'm so used to it that I'm like, yes, okay. <laughs> but it's Bame, and there's a story behind it, but I'll tell you off air. <laughs> okay, so Diane Floyd Bame, she's always enjoyed the art of storytelling, and she is now writing and illustrating her own books, and she shares those books with children around the world. She's a former classroom teacher, and the founder of the Texas Capital Schoolhouse Org organization. Diane is an educator, wife, and mother of three. 
Diane enjoys the performing arts and she's performed in musicals in Dubai, which I think is super cool. She comes to us from Texas. She loves to travel and she lived part-time in Dubai with her husband. Now, throughout her life, Diane has been involved in various humanitarian projects. She is a member of Be Peace Org, and her involvement in those organizations gave her insight into the importance of people working together to help each other and to develop skills to create a sustainable life. Those are all so honorable and amazing, like just contributions of, of, of giving. And today we're going to talk about her picture book and her a couple of her YA novels. But the, the picture book in particular is The Little Girl in the Moon. Diane, welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Oh, good, good. So knowing you were an educator, I have to admit, as a child, I hated to read. <laughs> I remember, um, I can't remember which grade it was. I was in the reading group. Like I knew it was, it was almost like the B reading group because I had difficulties reading. And my sister, she found me in our local library, the Bobsy Twins. And that book changed me. I read that book literally from beginning to end. And it was a, at that time, I considered a thick book, you know, as a child. And then I wanted another one and I wanted another one. And um, so I think part of me thinks children should be able to read whatever they want to read. And I understand there's a curriculum with the education system. So I'm wondering what your opinion, like your opinion is given your role as an educator and what you've witnessed. Sure, we'll be happy to. Uh, but I must tell you, I loved the Bopsy Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely loved them. And so we have similar experiences. Um, you know, as a teacher now, I realized what was going on when I was a little girl. But like you, I knew I was a red bird, but I knew the blue birds were like the smart kids in the class. I mean, kids always figure these things out. And, and once you figure these things out, then you're like, oh, she must think I'm dumb. So then you don't try as hard. So I know when I was teaching in elementary school, I um, didn't do my grouping like that. I mixed everyone up of different levels. So nobody knew. And, and actually, they didn't realize it was coach on the side because the really good reader was actually inspiring the reader that was still having a little bit of trouble with sight words. But because you got to be next to Mary Jane, you know? <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to keep up with Mary Jane. So it was inspiring. Uh, but Bopsy Twins, I absolutely loved. As In regards to your question, um, going to the library was a big deal, right? And of course, it was a shh. And if the teacher felt like there were books that needed to go with the curriculum, they would send us, well, you have to get at least one book regarding this particular thing we're studying. Other than that, everything was open to select whatever you wanted. 
I say that to a certain extent. There was a section I remember once in fifth grade and I wanted to, I have five brothers. Oh, so wow. I, I enjoyed uh, getting, reading some of the things my brothers had. And there was these books and magazines called mad and I remember I went over to the section where those were and the teacher came over I mean the librarian came over and said um no 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 those aren't for girls you know <laughs> so it was a much different time so but um that's okay I read my brothers so it worked out okay but I thought well that's really strange because I can read just like them you know <laughs> and anyway, get in trouble for saying something similar to that <laughs> But um, no, we, I guess I was very fortunate. We were able to um, pick out books of interest. So, but we would, in the library, we'd fight over the Bobsy twins because they were like, when are they bringing it back? I'm ready for the next book. And of course, Nancy Drew was really big, but there's a book that I remember in fifth grade and it was the book that changed my life. And since you mentioned one that opened, really opened the door, and it was a book called Beautiful Joe. And I loved that book so much that I have two copies of it. And it was written in the late 1800s. And then I, whenever I see a Bopsy twin, I'll I'll pick up that. So um, where you can, you can see me, but I know the podcasters can't, but this is the story garden. So these are all my books. That I've read either in school to my children or my parents have read to me and then books that I collect like the Bopsy Twins and Nancy Drews and so forth. But to tell your um, listeners and you, Beautiful Joe actually was one of the very first books written about, it sounds terrible, but it was really good about where the dog had, someone had been cruel to it. So it was animal cruelty. But it is a gorgeous story of hope. Yeah. And because of that book, legislations were passed. So authors can make a huge impact in the world. And yay to that author who wrote Beautiful Joe. Oh, my God. That. Oh, as well as us who said, I love reading now because yeah. <laughs> I love animals. So I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, yeah. they found someone sweet. Oh, she's so nice to him. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a reason why I didn't watch Bambi or Lassie or I just, I, or all the other, that was another book. I just, I, but to hear that legis- yeah, legislation was passed. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Beautiful. Oh, I'm glad I asked that. And that's, <laughs> that's the cool thing I find with podcasting is I'll come up with questions. And I'm glad, like, I've had um, an author say to me, do you want my answers? And I'm just like, no, no, I, I, I want the, I want the experience, like the listener of hearing something that I, I wasn't prepared for. Right. So yes, that is I love that too. I mean, because it's like having coffee or tea, you know, with the best friend, you're just enjoying each other and socializing. And after it's coming out of, you know, the pandemic, we all need to get back to just taking time, putting our devices down and enjoying conversation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. So I have another question and I'm curious what if you have something similar in Texas. 
And that is in Canada, we have what's called Scholastics Canada. And it, it was around when I was a child. It was It's still around. And it is one of Canada's leading publishers and distributors of children's books and educational materials. Now, as a child, I liked Scholastics Canada. You know, we would get this little flyer advertising what books were available and games. And, you know, you'd bring the flyer home, you'd mark the box, <laughs> your parent would give you a check and you take it back, right? And they would order the books for you. And I remember at one time I found with my, our own children, is it seemed that at that time, everything seemed geared to be educational. And I remember I was flipping through the flyer and I thought, that's why you have school. Like, come, <laughs> come on. You know, and I, I, I guess I was judging by my own experience but I, I remember thinking, I want the fun books. Where are the books that just let kids release their imagination? Now, this may have changed, um, but I was wondering, um, from what you've seen, do you have anything similar like that in, in the U.S.? Or how do you feel about that? Um, well, Scholastic, we called it Scholastic News, and okay. uh, it's still called that today. Um I had a different experience because ours was like a newspaper. Okay. And since my parents, you know, now I'm really dating myself because That's people right. actually <laughs> had newspapers and it was very tactile. And so to get your own newspaper as a kid was very exciting. When I became a classroom educator, it was the same thing. We had newspapers, um, the Scholastic News. So it had, uh, you know, current events. It had all types of interesting things to read. Yeah. And um, it was designed to go with the curriculum throughout the U.S. So it really was a newspaper. And then it came to books of interest. And that's where you would go and select the books that you would want to read and, and purchase and see if your parents like, please, 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 please let me that book. Um, two things happened today. One, you still get the current events in the newspapers, but it does include fun books. So you are going to see the Harry Potters and, and fun things like that. I wish they would put indie authors in there, but I don't think we've made it in there yet. Mm -hmm. um, because, of course, they're going to have books that they uh, publish. But um, Scholastic News and a couple of others are very big into um, the schools have where they have their home you know, sell books and the, have authors and so forth. And so then you really see a lot of books coming in from Scholastic that has the, the fun things to read. I think Scholastic's caught on that they would sell more yeah. if they would in their Scholastic book club, they call it, yeah. um, have fun things to have in there and at all different price points. So yeah. I think they've improved. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause as you're talking, I was thinking, I was thinking about you wanting to read the mad magazines. I'm just kind of yeah, going back a bit. And I remember there were girls in school. Everyone wanted to read little women. And I was just like, adventure. yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely adventure. Yeah, yeah. You don't so, grow up with five brothers and not one adventure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why did you want to write 
The Little Girl in the Moon. I have it right here. Tell me about it. How, how did this come about? You know, um, I've been writing stories for a long time. The Little Girl on the Moon is very precious to me because it's the first published book. And actually, it was the first thing I've ever painted in my life. <laughs> so I was taking some painting classes because I decided I wanted, uh, no one understood the imagination I wanted to have happen. So that's a story in itself. But to answer your question, it came about because I am in schools a lot. I try to inspire teachers, uh, parents, and uh, children to be kind and to love one another. And um, I just felt it was really, really important with social media, kids um, see a way to be mean to one another. And it just breaks my heart. Now, of course, we had bullies and everything in our day. and. I'm sure, and all the way back in history. But, you know, when you wrote that little note that was kind of mean, not that you did or I did, but maybe I did. I don't really recall. I don't think I ever read anything mean. And But you pass it. So I can definitely remember writing the note saying, saying Tommy, can you call me later? My mama doesn't let me call boys, you know, yeah. and passing that forward. And then a little thing in my head goes, oh my gosh, if mother sees this note, that'd be the same as calling boys. So I'm like tapping the little kid and the kid passes the note back. So Tommy doesn't know I did that, right? Because I don't want to get in trouble, right? <laughs> I'm so little and naive. But the, but the point of the story is that we could get it back. Yeah. Kids can't get it back once they send that send. And so the little girl in the moon was a great way for me to start. And, and, and it's a series. So they're moonlings. They live on the moon. Yeah. And she want, she loves earthlings as much as earthlings love moonlings. Yeah. And she wanted her mama to know. And her mama's like, well, why? We never cared before and blah, 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 as you know. But, but what happens is when I read it to the children, they fall in love with the moonling and the little girl because she likes to read. She likes to sing. She likes to play. But with each picture, they see a little bit more of what she looks like. Yeah. And I use the phases of the moon because that's a teacher in me, because now I can use it in the curriculum in second grade and fourth grade and um, kindergarten, actually. And um, but by the end, the kids, they see what a moonling looks like and they're like, <gasps> oh, and you even hear, oh, I don't want to be friends with her. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. You wanted to be your best friend a moment ago. Just because someone looks different doesn't yeah. mean they can't be your best friend. Yeah. And if I can write books that help bring in love and kindness. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. So that's probably a long-winded answer. No. But that's really the magic of the little girl in the moon. And, and now we have the little boy in the moon and the moonling adventures. That's excellent. <laughs> excellent. No, it's... It's so true what you you said about, you know, you pass a note or if you receive a note, you could always rip a note up. But once it's out there on the Internet, you, you can't retrieve it. Right. So you can't retrieve it. You can think you've got it all deleted on Instagram, but people can go get all those things. It's It's in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is excellent. Moonlings. I like that. OK. <laughs> Thank you. Now. The so okay so I the little girl in the moon is your first children's picture book and you said there are more there, yes okay. yes okay. there's the uh, um 
the little girl on the moon, the big idea. And it's all about um, love and hope and peace and harmony. And um, I'll tell you a fun little thing in case your uh, podcast listeners and thank y'all for listening to podcast listeners. And I uh, did this one as well as the illustrations, but there's one picture that I did not illustrate. It's this one here. So those who can see it, it's a blue moon. Yeah. And now, and the stars are lost and those are the wishes. But if you turn it this way, that's the way it really is. And that's a true super moon taken in Dubai from where I live. And this is a water fountain going up. So my big tagline is to embrace imagination. So I thought I am going to turn it this way and the stars lost, the wishes lost, actually. And um, it's another way to share imagination we want I want you to embrace imagination and who can paint better than God right yeah 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 there's a super moon so when you purchase that book you have an actual picture of a true super moon in Dubai wow that's cool oh wow shots before I found the one that I really wanted yeah so then but you've also you wrote a song of peace, which won an honorable mention at the Book Fest conference in 2022. So, can you tell us a little bit about that book? Because it's not a picture book, is it? Oh, it is a picture book. It is a picture book. Okay, it's thicker. It's a thicker. Yeah. So you, so all my books are hard copy and soft copy. Yeah. And by the way, I've now switched because a new font's come out called uh, just the dyslexia font so I'll be re-releasing all my previous uh, books in the dyslexia font and that allows everyone to be able to read the story and so when I received an email for example from a grandma saying you know this is the first time I was able to read a story to my grandchild because it was the dyslexia font. It's a powerful font. So I really recommend it. Well, um, so what, go ahead. I have never heard of that before. What? Right. You just how, go for everyone listening is dyslexiafont.com and you can get it. And you have, you can get it for personal use and a business use. So. Okay. All, sorry. That, that, oh, I'm great. Just, you're blown away. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> sorry. Well, for me, I want, I, I never liked being that little kid that stood out, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's horrible when you feel like uh, you don't belong or you have to go somewhere special to pick out your book. And if I can help everyone just have this wonderful experience yeah. selecting a book they want to read then why wouldn't I use the dyslexia font? Yeah. And they don't pay me to say that, but that's just who I am. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, Mario, <laughs> I, I interrupted you. A song of peace. Sorry. <laughs> sure. So um, I, you know, I've lived all over the world and I've seen a lot, do a lot of humanitarian work. I feel very blessed. So anyone says, oh, she must have been rich. No, I grew up in a teeny tiny little 1100 square foot home with five brothers. So um, that's not the case. But 
my husband and I worked very, very hard to get where we are. And so I always believe that I've been blessed. So I want to turn around and bless others and do humanitarian work. Within that, you see a lot of things. And, um, you know, when someone gets mad at the grocery store about something, I turn around and I go, do we have a bomb going off? (laughs) Someone right now is getting bombed, you know, because I know I've sent things to people to help them. And so we need to just stop for a moment and think before we open our mouth, because we're so lucky (laughs) to be where we are. And so I decided I wanted to write a song, a piece about a little boy, Tommy. Um, I gravitate to boys just because I think I have my brothers. Um, I do give a lot of girl voices. Don't worry. Tommy jumps off the uh, merry-go-round and he just starts singing peace. And to make a long story short, it goes viral and um, people around the world start singing peace. So even in the book, you'll see um, a a, a huge spread of all the different languages in the world. And then um, all of a sudden the, the animals are listening and they're singing happier and, and the fish are jumping in the sky and, And everyone's just, the world is becoming calm and it's, it's so lovely. And, but there's a real twist at the end. Cause like with that, I won't share, I want you to be able to read it, but um, all of a sudden there is peace for a moment, but Tommy's still singing and people are like, why is he still singing? The world's kind of happy, you know, but there's something that he was waiting for. And when that happens, it's, magic and again it's very inclusive um because i wanted everyone to try to see themselves in it and uh, in their country and so forth or else or else think about their home country you know sri lanka is a gorgeous place and you don't hear much about sri lanka but i've been there and it's amazing yeah. <laughs> road the elephants and oh, wow. island and so forth so that's what that book's about and i'm really really proud of it and a lady from maine um, she illustrated it for me and yeah. it's lovely. Excellent. Excellent. Now you found it, the Texas Capital Schoolhouse Org. Can you explain to our listeners about that organization and what need did you see that wasn't being met that you founded this organization? Like I am learning so much. This is I'm just, <laughs> I can talk, please. (laughs) Yes, this happened during my education days. Uh, Computers were brand new. I actually learned how to use a computer when I was teaching in the Philippines. Um, Steve Jobs used the Apple R School to see if how teachers would respond to technology. So when I came back to America. you know, I was that weird person who knew what to do, like where the switch was. But I saw <laughs> magic in technology. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, I've always taught in private schools because if I get an idea, I want to, can I do it, you know, and make mm-hmm. sure it gets passed by the principal and then go for it. And and my big thing in teaching is the magic of learning. When you mm-hmm. walk into my classroom, no matter what grade, it's going to be the magic of learning. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I discovered that you know there were the haves and have nots and I was like no this isn't going to happen and um at that time the legislator 
here in Texas was thinking about, right, there was, you gave a dollar, everyone gave a dollar on their telephone bill for technology to start coming into the schools. And they were thinking of taking that away. And I was mortified because I knew there was too many public schools that still needed technology. And so I started the Texas Capitol Schoolhouse with the, um, you have to get a senator to back you and everything. And so that's another long story of the house. But the main reason was studies have shown that most people remember their fourth grade teacher. And when they think of experiences, they think about fourth grade. Yeah. And so I didn't want the legislators to be thinking about what fourth grade was like for them. I needed them to pony up and get to the 21st century. So I decided we were going to build a school inside the schoolhouse, um, inside the state capitol with the governor and the legislators and so forth to see the power of technology in the classroom. And um, we went from there. And then what happened, um, it kept, we just meet every other year, the legislators, they have to come back home and stay for a year to know their people and then go back out to Washington and try to do something. Um, but then all of a sudden it started happening in others, in other capitals and other states. And so I'm very, very proud of that, that other people picked up the torch to let their legislators know what was needed in their schools. That's amazing. Thank you. Just starting with a dollar, you know, from your phone, like added to your phone bill. Yeah. So by putting a dollar in on your phone bill, it enabled to have a funding to quickly get technology into the schools. It was very effective and it stayed and it's gone up higher since then. I don't know what it's like today, but because I don't run the schoolhouse anymore. A good friend of mine, Dr. Debbie Jolly runs it because I had moved to Dubai. See, and I remember in school, um, there was a computer room. We, it was, I'm dating myself, okay. Uh, There was a computer room and there was a course called computer science mm-hmm. and it was an elect it, you, like you didn't have to take it if you didn't want to take it and the first time i sat at a computer it was first year college and it was a computer course mm-hmm. okay so uh gosh that's that's amazing ah oh, wow <laughs> i'm going down memory lane here <laughs> okay wow right. so then okay. I have to ask you, what is Be Peace organization? Yes, uh, Be Peace is phenomenal. It B is for business. Yeah. P, of course, is self-explanatory. And these two incredible women that I happened to meet, they, they came to Dubai um, and um, we clicked immediately. And they were all about, they did well. They started their own company and now they wanted to give back to the world. So they started because they were women in business. They wanted to, what can we do? Well, they realized that if we can teach other women around the world 
who a business and maybe they didn't have a chance to go to even high school, but you know, they had a dream and their dream was if only I can make ice cream, what it would do for the community, right? Or if I can make tomato paste or if I can make skill silk scarves. And so I'm naming a, a few things that I've actually worked on with the, with the group. They're out of New York. The organization is huge now. We go through many, many, many countries. What's and what it's all about is what they have this system called fast tracking where um, people apply and then they're selected. There's a process, a very fair process. And once um, it's the people are selected, then they learn the business that they want to do. And and then we have mentors that help mentor them in the business. And they they might come to New York. A few came to Dubai to learn about uh, beauty shops. And I put together a whole program for them. And um, and then then there's a whole process to help them get their business started. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about BPs is there are many organizations like this, but you have to pay. But there's a payback. Yeah. BPs, there's no payback. I mean, I, I, even when we, in Afghanistan, where we had helped um, the women who made silk scarves that ended up in Saks Fifth Avenue, um, I said, you know, you should let them put a tag on there that says BPs. And she goes, no, it's not about letting people know about us. The right people will learn about us. It's about the people who made the scarves. And I looked at them and I said, your heart is in the right place. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. Wow. And anyone from around the world can be part of BPs because we, we want people with the skills that they want to share with other people. Wow. Okay. Now, you're mentioning Dubai. You're mentioning <laughs> Dubai. And um, I'm, I'm, the ideas are just flowing for my fourth novel and if I would I really for me want to get this fourth novel to have a bit of an to have an international feel to it okay so can you tell me what it was like can I live vicariously for a moment what was it like living in in Dubai sure I'll be happy to tell you um I love living in different countries. You're mm-hmm. learning so much. Um, living in Dubai compared to the Philippines is very, very different. Yeah. Um, Dubai, my husband and I were very lucky because we went there 15 years ago and um, it was very, very different. Yeah. The lovely thing about Dubai, especially then that helped was because the British have you know, been part of Dubai or the all the Emirates for a long time as a colony um or Dubai being their colony so English is very well established everyone speaks English they had the the Emiratis so the Dubai like I'm a Texan right um they're Emiratis to clarify that the Emiratis are so beautiful they're so welcoming and um they had to learn about some of us coming over as well as us learning their culture. I'm such a believer that you learn the person's culture, you honor their culture, and you live. Um, Dubai, I love it because it's a very respectful uh, country. 
Um, I love the fact that um, you're really not supposed to say bad words. So I don't cuss. So it was really easy for me <laughs> to yeah. be there. Um, the one thing, as you can see, um, and for the listeners who can't see me, I talk with my hands. So I had to learn not to talk with my hands because doing this could actually be offensive. So, and uh, I'm waving my hands for those who can't see me. So um, you have to be, you have to be careful about that. Um, not so much today, but in the beginning. Yeah. Um, Dubai is a place I would like to say today where almost anything is possible. Okay. Women are doing incredible things. I'm friends with um, the woman who is one of the very first uh, film directors in uh, the country. Um, I met um not I didn't go face to face, but meeting in the sense of shaking hands and listening um, at a meeting to the very first woman pilot. So it, it's just amazing to watch this young country grow. And it's a country that um, it's faith based. And so they live by their faith. Yeah. And um, there's a real beauty in that. They of course, they have lots of money. So, I mean, I've never seen so many fancy cars in all <laughs> life. If you're an architect, it would be an architect's dream because the architecture is just like, I think it's like 31st century. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that's so beautiful about Dubai is I think there's like over 133 nationalities there. No. Um, yeah. And so... You know, you're with people from everywhere, all different cultures, and you're constantly learning. And there's so many, there's so many things to do. Like, I, I think I probably have like 23 long gowns because there's always functions to go to where you dress up, you know, yeah. and you're celebrating St. Andrew's Day with the British or you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day with the Irish or something fun with uh, the people in Sri Lanka, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is, it's incredible. And people might think, oh, my gosh, it's a Muslim country or a Christian or whatever. You know, Dubai is a really great place to show that people from all walks of life can live together in harmony. And so there is an area where all the um, different other religions, non-Muslim religions are. And um, and you can go and, and celebrate with uh, people in your faith and your own nationalities and so forth. So I find it a very, very welcoming, loving place and beautiful. Yeah. When I wrote Harry the Camel, um, I kept wanting to write a camel story to give yeah. back to Dubai, but it just didn't come to me until the very end. And I wrote Harry the Camel and it was to give thanks to Dubai. And so I put in, you know, one of the, the birds from the desert, of course, the camel and so forth. And, and it was, and it's in Arabic as well. Oh, wow. And um, because I wanted to say, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for enriching my world. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, that, that's what I wanted. I wanted to hear what it, what it was like. Yeah. That, and, you know, um, you just property you have to have a property so if you have dubai in your story yeah. you have to work in a property tea time is very important okay well i may ask you questions more about dubai <laughs> fine that'll be fine i love talking about dubai yeah i think it's important for everyone to learn different cultures and the beauty 
Because the more we learn, the more we're accepting, right? Well, and you, from what you just told me, you just blew away some of my own stereotypes from lack of education about that, about, about that place, about that country. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, it it was educational for me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And educational for me. So Afghanistan, uh, being in America with the war and so forth, and you're Canadian and everything, you, you get certain thoughts in your mind, but I have so many Afghani friends and they taught me so much history that I didn't know and how they have doctors and lawyers before things changed. And, and so I, um, so in Dubai, you wear a bias. You don't have to, when I was in Saudi Arabia, I wore the bias, um, only the Emiratis wear the bias, but in Afghanistan, um, it's called a burqa and it's totally Right. And we can talk about that another day, but it's uh, uh, it's tough to wear a burqa. It's totally, totally different. Yeah. But but in, in regards to learning about people, Afghanis, oh, my gosh, they're so sweet. Oh, and the food is amazing. <laughs> OK, so thank you for that. I'm going to take us we're going to take us back okay. to one more of your books. So. I can't let you go without asking about Rise, A Girl's Mm. Struggle for More. Now, it's a YA novel, and in the description on Amazon, it's written on Amazon, it says, Rise, A Girl's Struggle for More is Anne of Green Gables meets the It Girl of the 20s, but with a sophisticated twist. Now, when I read that, okay, for... Listeners who aren't Canadian, Anne of Green Gables is a 1908 novel written by a Canadian author, Lucy Maud Montgomery. It is a Canadian classic. Everyone, everyone in Canada has heard of Anne of Green Gables. And I've lost count of how many TV series have been made based on the book. Now, here's a thing. I didn't know this. It was when I was researching for our interview Anne of Green Gables, I'm probably going to get hate mail now because I didn't know this. Um, It sold over 50 million copies and it's being translated into 36 languages. So, Diane, to have that description in reference to Rise, A Girl's Struggle for More is fabulous. So can you tell us, tell us about Rise, A Girl's Struggle for More? Just having you read that description gave me chills again, <laughs> as if it was the first time. The first time I read that, I was blown away yeah. because uh, Anna Green Gables is a must-see. Um, Megan Fellows is the one, um, or follows, I guess, is the um, star. It's the particular movie we watch. Yeah. My kids grew up on it. I know her voice so well that she was in rain. And I kept saying, I know that voice. I know that person. I know that person was because of the voice. And uh, I had to look it up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, who is it? Um, But it was such an honor to read that. um, That someone made that description. I was just like, it was, to me, the highest honor ever. So Rise, it took me a long time to write. 
I really studied the history of the 1920s. It's based on my grandma, Ruby. Um, she wanted to go to college and girls born in 1904 generally did not co go to college. Now, she was very lucky in the fact that her parents, my great grandparents, whom I knew my great grandma, um, believed girls should finish high school. So she was lucky like that. Um, she came from a family of nine kids. Um, the boys, they paid to go to college. Uh, and she's like, well, I want to go to college too. And they're like, no, you're getting married. And she's yeah. like, yeah. So what she didn't know to give a little sneak hint to the uh, listeners is that she loved to dance. Okay. Well, you weren't really supposed to dance in that, in, in, you know, the Baptist Methodist type small towns in Oklahoma. But she didn't care. She loved the beat of music. And so did my um, my great grandma and them. They were all they all sang. They all played the piano. Grandma played the organ and so forth. But anyway, she learned the Charleston. And um, so she would, with the help of her friends, when her parents were sleeping, and I don't know how she got her brothers and not to do anything, but they never told on her if they knew about it. Yeah. Um, but grandma says they didn't. But she would sneak out of the house and enter um, Charleston dances, um, contests yeah. and so forth. So she would save her money. And um, she also did a lot of tutoring. And then she figured out how to where she went to go to college, what train to take. And she ran away to go to school. Yeah. So now great grandpa's like mortified because he's like one of the founders of this small town. It was during the oil boom days. Um, he was also a Freemason. So, you know, you have connections everywhere. And they found her. He was embarrassed. He paid for a college. But um, uh, and then what happens next? So I'm working on the follow up. We, I've had an, the, the publisher um, said, called me up and said, Diane, the book's doing so well. I'm getting uh, feedback. They need to know what happens next. So yeah. um, we're working on that book. But that's that's an exciting thing. And I'm um, very grateful to people loving the story yeah. and wanting to know more and getting emails about how it's inspiring them to follow their dreams. Because if you think about it, a person born in 1904, and they didn't care what it took, you know, as long as it was proper in a certain extent, right? Um, but they were going to they were going to be educated. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so lucky. Wow, what a great role model for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So this leads into my surprise question. So, oh, okay. okay. So. <laughs> Picture books and YA novels, is there, are you finding as you are growing as an author, is there one format you lean towards more that you, in, in, I'm not saying you don't enjoy anything, but is there one that you enjoy more? Do you, like, do you enjoy more the picture books or do you enjoy more the YA novels or is it, is it all the same? No, it's not all the same. Yeah. Immediately, it's the children's books. Okay. I think because I taught children and I just gravitate even at parties. Yeah. Um, I'll gravitate over to just hear what the little minds are thinking because I'm always learning. I tell you what, you authors that write, 
um, fiction books, mysteries, novels, romance, um, his, you know, historical, uh, all of that genre. Oh, my hat is off to you. It, it's, it's a challenge for me. And um, you guys, to me, I just am in awe. I'm just totally in awe. Aww. Aww. Well, I see what you're doing and I, I hear, listen to you and I, I just, I, I am in awe. So I'm really glad we were able to have this podcast. <laughs> uh, Me too. And uh, <laughs> I am glad you learned about the dyslexia font and everyone out there in case you're looking for a great font because yeah. it just means we're going to help more people. And I will get that website in the show notes. I will have your website and your social media. And you said it was the dis, the dyslexia. Dyslexiafont.com. Dyslexiafont.com. That will be in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Diane, thank you. So you hinted about the next novel. What's next? Sure. So I just released A Time to Fly, which is incredible. So maybe I can come back and tell you about that. It's pretty cool. And on October 8th, Charlie and the Tire Swing Adventures begin. And um, I just have three more stories that I finished writing and started the artwork on. So here we go moment. And then, (laughs) and then for fun, because I have nothing else to do, I just finished a quilt to um, give to a children's home. Oh, wow. Just awesome. so, you know, people know there's different levels to me. Yeah, d- d- yeah, definitely. Well, Diane, thank you. This has been amazing. And I, I feel so good. And I, I wish you were my grade four teacher back in the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're in my favorite classes. <laughs> you're talking about magical classrooms. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, okay, Diane, well, you have a good day. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everybody.